It's my birthday at the, at the weekend, so I've, I've come back into this week and there's, I forgot, like, two days of the week to do. And it's come around to Thursday. I'm like, how is it pod o'clock already? <laughs> Tipping Liverpool to stay up this year. <laughs> Thanks for explaining how the Premier League works, then. Enjoy that, no? No. <laughs> uh... Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Football Times podcast with myself, RadioTimes.com sport editor Michael Potts, and I'm joined in the virtual studio, hopefully for not too much longer. It would be nice to do this in the studio, that that hallowed place, uh, but I'm joined for now in the virtual studio by Mr. Jake Wilson of BBC Match of the Day magazine. How's it going? It's going well, mate. How nice would that be to see your furry face in the flesh? Good, isn't it? Furry face. That's a little uh, weird, mate. Wish I could do it. Wish I could do it, but I can't. <laughs> You'll get there. You'll get there one day, my boy. Every time I go outside, the wind just pushes <laughs> it all away. <laughs> See, every time it does it to me, it just it just blows up into my eyes. I don't actually have that big a beard, but it would be great. We all dream. We all dream. Um, <laughs> without any further ado, we're going to bring you the latest. Uh, well, we've got a lot of Premier League games coming up this weekend, uh, and we're going to bring you some of the biggest games coming up, tell you why you should watch them. Uh, we're, we're looking at three in particular, and we are a pod of the people. We we don't want to just bring you, you know, we don't want to just bring you Man United every week or West Ham every week. We are sick of West Ham every week. Sorry, West Ham fans. We just talk about you quite a lot. Uh, we will be chatting uh, through some of the teams who you, <laughs> the teams you may have missed, as we will call them, um, over the weekend. But I feel like there is only one place to start, and it's a Champions League final dress rehearsal. Uh, it's Manchester City versus Chelsea. 5.30 kickoff this Saturday on Sky Sports Premier League main event. And now, I love when this happens. It, it happens occasionally towards the end of the season when two of the big teams play each other twice. And it, it, the whole dress rehearsal thing, just it, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Because you think, ooh, yeah, they'd both want to win this one. Obviously, there's still a lot at stake um, for Chelsea. City could end up being champions at the end of the day. Um, but but knowing that kind of whatever happens, there's going to be a few glances across the across the teams at the end. Knowing I'll see you in Turkey, boys. See you in Turkey. Um, yeah, I guess let's start with Chelsea. Um, what did you make? Have you, have you watched any of the Champions League this week? What have you What have you made of Chelsea recently? We are a pod of the people, Michael, and we start with two of the big six. <laughs> I know, I know. Pod of the people. We'll get these yeah. out of the way, and then we'll move on to the other. Yeah, we'll get but it yeah. out of the way. Uh, yes, of course. Uh, I watched. I watched most of uh, both games, um, and I have to say, Chelsea just look brilliant. Um, you know, they're not the the most wonderful side to watch. They're not Leeds, but if you stop the other team getting anywhere near your goal, you've got a pretty good chance of winning. And it seemed like 180 minutes against Real Madrid. They just couldn't get near Mendy, really. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, and that's just such a good platform to work from. And then we spoke about their forward line, um, you know, misfiring. But even if they're not being as clinical as they need to be, um, they're still creating loads of chances. Werner creates so much. Um, he's running, he's, he's, he's dribbling with the ball. Like He's a danger even when he can't put the ball in the net. And then when he does put the ball in the net, you're looking at, you know, not far off a full package there. Um, mm. So very impressed with Chelsea. Uh, they were very good against Real uh, as Conte as that kind of higher disruptor and then Jorginho like as a blocker lower. Um, I thought that was a really good way of playing them too to kind of disrupt um 
Cruz and Modric. Um, and maybe they'll have to do this, a similar sort of thing against Man City, who who like getting those central players on the ball so much, and you know <laughs> those central players being Cancelo quite often <laughs> and Stones. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I like what you're saying there. They, they they feel like a complete package going forwards and at the back. Like they feel like they've got a bit of everything, and it's not just you know every man behind the ball defend for ninety minutes. It's not just. 11 men sort of surging forward attack for 90 minutes it's a very good balance and they're i mean they, they look so good on the counter so quick on the counter um i actually think mason mount is so good at that mason mount on the break is phenomenal um because he's the sort of player who can beat a man if he wants to he can find another man he can switch the ball he can there is so much versatility around mason mount um and I've always sort of kind of, I'd like to see him in the middle as kind of a bit of a workhorse, a bit of an all-rounder, box-to-box sort of guy. But actually, the more I see him, I know Chelsea, since two girls came in especially, has played him as part of that front three. The more I see him flying forward and on the break, you know, starting from deep and having the stamina to get forward, what a player he could be. What a player he could be. Um, very exciting times uh, to see him. Um, I want to shout out, like, Rudiger at the back. Um, I think Rudiger is he's an interesting he's an interesting defender because he has made mistakes in the past and he has um at times looked like I mean he was he was gonna go to AC Milan, I think, wasn't he? He was pretty much on the on the exit door. And he's sort of stepped up and he's he looks like a mountain. All of a sudden he just looks obviously he's always been the same size, but he just looks like this imposing dominant presence now. Um there's a few challenges, a few blocks, he put his body on the line for it and there was a little sprint he did trying to get into the box um, near the end of the game. That was phenomenal, just seeing how quick he actually is. I think Rudiger could what a turnaround from him. I and mean, I think he could become one of the one of the best best around if if Tugel keeps keeps his mind on the game. Definitely. He did this one header and uh, I think Nacho put a lovely cross in and he just rose so high and kind of, I think it was Rodrigo. He just shrugged off. And before before he'd landed, let alone the ball that was kind of 15 <laughs> feet in the air, he was already shouting uh, as Pilaguerta for letting the cross go in. Um, uh, yeah. the, I thought that was such a nice moment. And yet it's getting that confidence back into these players. And he's, he's done that, you know, under Lampard defensively, they didn't look um, confident enough and compact. And I think, had the, the amount of clean sheets they've got in a row has just built them up mm. and built them up and built them up. And now they kind of feel like they're standing on the shoulders of giants. So like, it's, it's just amazing uh, what a few, a few clean sheets will do for you. And I guess some, some hard defensive work on the training ground under, under Tuchel. But yeah, you, you just, I said it last week, you just can't bet against Chelsea at the minute. Mm, no, not at all. I think it is just that clinical factor, isn't it? That's, and I guess that's what City have been have been great at in recent weeks. Just sort of, you know, they get a chance, they take the chance. I think that's just it with Chelsea, isn't it? Um, obviously, playing without a an out and out striker because I don't think Werner's not that sort of out and out striker. Um, he, he does. He's unbelievable how many chances he gets, and that that makes me think his movement is phenomenal, and actually his all round game is phenomenal. I think some of his his little cutbacks, the amount of times he cut just that same ball, he just squares it across the box. Um, trying to set up others it's phenomenal really actually he, he should be getting a lot of assists and he, he is getting a lot of assists it's just yeah Chelsea just need him to take take maybe I mean this is it's almost to a disservice that he's getting so many chances because it highlights how not clinical he can be 
I think if you swap half the amount of chances he gets, he'll probably probably still take a decent amount of them. It's just there are so many chances he gets and half chances. Um, I think it's possibly making him out to look worse than he actually is. Definitely. He's got an FA Cup final, a Champions League final. I think he's got 10 goals and got 11 assists. <laughs> They're decent numbers. And what a first season. If this is a transitional season where this is the, the worst burner we're going to see mm. that's a decent season um so hopefully people will, will recognize that and look back on this season over the summer and be like yeah yeah maybe he did do all right you know not mm. he didn't get the 25 goals that maybe he he could have if he was you know on an unbelievable form but mm. if he hits the ground running next year uh, we've spoke about title contenders on this he's gonna make chelsea one you know mm. Interesting. That's a big, big call. But you know, I mean, the way they're playing at the moment, they look like a very well coached, well coached team. Um, another well coached team. Segway. Uh, Manchester City. I mean, they have this, they have this calm about them, this sort of Barca esque patience. That I mean, I haven't really seen it since since Barcelona, since Guardiola. I guess to this extent, to this level of competence, <laughs> uh, but they play with such a patience, and like PSG just totally lost their heads in both games. They just lost their heads. They lost their discipline. Man City are just stoic. <laughs> they just sort of they don't let anything affect them. When they went down against PSG, they they sort of hung on in there. They clung on. They got to the second half. They regrouped. They came out and they, they they destroyed them. And it's just that level. We talk about Liverpool being sort of mentality monsters. That was the whole thing, wasn't it? Man City maybe don't get enough credit for that. Like they're such a resilient, resilient squad. Um, never panic. Never panic. Just control, calm. Um, almost the anti Liverpool. <laughs> it's almost the exact opposite. It, it, you know what I mean? It's they're both mentally incredibly strong, but just in they show it in very different ways. <laughs> Um, and and yeah, I I just I'm out of things to say about Man City. Just so calm, and and it's set up to be a fantastic game this weekend, and and obviously in the Champions League final. Definitely, I think it's a testament to to a couple of things. Well, well a spending fifty million pounds on you know eight to twelve players will do you a favour. You it know, helps. getting to it helps. that much on you know four fullbacks is brilliant, but. It also shows, I think, is this four years under Guardiola? Maybe five? Mm. It's, it's quite a few now. Um, and he's come in with a philosophy and it hasn't really changed. It's, you know, dominating the ball, uh, keeping it high up the field, keeping <laughs> keeping them away from the goal, um, to, to put it very simply. Um, but it's it's all coming to, to fruition again. Um, mm. That patience and, and calmness is because I think all the players are so committed to and, and they're bought into the way that Pep wants them to play. And, and they're all pushing in the same direction. They, you saw that PSG game. They've spent, you know, a comparable amount of money to Man City, uh, maybe on fewer players, but with bigger bigger transfer uh, wages. Um, and missing Mbappe, yes, definitely. But you saw Neymar on the ball so often, and he didn't have a great game. But quite often he got into that final third, looked up, and there was not the options there for him. Hmm. Um, especially when Di Maria um, got sent off. But there wasn't those runs being made. There wasn't the the instinctive passes for him to make. You see Man City play and it's almost like they don't even register the mm. passes they're making because they know when they take the ball in this area, Fernandinho's in that area. You know, in the final third, they know Foden's making that run. They know, you know, a Torres is going to drift in. They, they know that those are the things already and PSG just didn't have that. Yes, mm. Pep's uh, has only been there a little while. But it just shows the kind of the holistic 
success of that city side. Yes, the transfers have been very good and ha- they've had loads of money, but they haven't bought any goods particularly. Mm. And um, on the pitch and in the training ground, they've got someone who has shepherded and shaped that team as well as any boss in the world, you'd, you'd say. So mm. um, there's, there's <laughs> not a lot you can say against Man City at the minute. Oh, absolutely. They just trust the system, don't they? So I think it's still a bit of a transition time for Man City, which is the scary part, because you still feel like they probably do need that centre-forward or that Aguero replacement. Um, so in, in a sense, this is a transition, but also a lot of those players, they, they know the system off by heart. They know, like you say, they're the plain instinctive football. They know that De Bruyne is going to make that run or, or put that ball in. Um, Foden's just growing again like Mason Mount Foden is just an unbelievable talent um, I mean Mount and Foden for me I just don't think there's any way you can leave them out of that England team the Euros I think they are starting 11 material and I think Southgate will be under a lot of scrutiny if he didn't choose them both um, exciting times for both teams exciting times for both teams uh, we're going to have to move on uh, what's your prediction for this one? It's very hard to predict, isn't it? I don't think either side will want to give too much away here. So um, in what I'm branding the Scott Sinclair derby, um, I'm going to go 1-1. Yes, the Scott Sinclair derby. Ooh, Sean Ryan Phillips derby. Beautiful. Great shout. There's some, some good. good ones. I was going to say Frank Lampard, but that feels too too raw, too fresh. Oh, 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 all right. Too soon. Too soon, pal. Um, shout out to Frank Lampard, actually. Got him through that, those Champions League group stages. Another time we'll talk about that. Uh, yeah, I'm going to go with a nice little draw for that one. I, 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 the beauty of it is that both teams could win that, and, and I wouldn't bat an eyelid. Um, I, I'm going to go with a draw. Let's play it safe. <laughs> uh, and moving on, we're going to chat about a few teams who we don't usually chat about. Um, we have, it, forgive us for this one, it's probably not going to be the greatest game of the weekend. Let's just front that up and say it right now. It's Sheffield United versus Crystal Palace, which is a three o'clock kickoff this Saturday on Sky Sports Premier League mid event. And now, so that's just before you watch uh, Chelsea v Man City. Um, Sheffield United, they are down, they are out. Uh, they're pretty much forgotten. I feel like I haven't really remembered that they exist for a while. Um, I mean, yeah, a thoroughly miserable season for them, really. Um, do you think you can see them? Are, are there any rays of hope? Do you think they're a sort of team? Obviously, we're looking at Norwich and Watford coming straight back up from the Championship. Do you think they're a sort of team who could bounce back? Or or is this the sort of, they had their moment in the sun and now they're going to fade away a little bit now? Um, I think there's definitely uh, a chance and a, and a good one. I don't think they'll be as dominant as, say, Norwich, who have been brilliant and seemed seemed like set up for the championship. But there are definitely some, um, some green shoots there. I think Sheffield United's one of their main problems this year, and I'm sure there have been a few, has been the goals. They've just not scored enough. I think it's, it's approaching the record low of goals um, scored in the Premier League season. Um, but when you look at their forward line, on paper for the championship, you would imagine Ollie McBurney, who's got mm. the pedigree, and Rian Brewster, who did it for half a season and has got the ability, would be a brilliant forward pair for, for a side like Sheffield United. And then again, their best player this season probably has been David McGoldrick, who's been remarkably consistent in an inconsistent side. Um, so that forward line looks pretty decent and you wouldn't expect any of them to, to be making a move away. Then you look at their defenders. Um, you've got Ender Stevens and John Egan. Their, their back line surely would be good enough um, in whichever system 
uh, whichever manager chooses to play them. They've, they've obviously got talented players there who were probably playing above their level last year. Mm. So um, we'll see how that comes back to mean. And then at the back, Aaron Ramsdale, who really unfortunately has uh, seen two relegations in two seasons from the Premier League, which isn't ideal, but I've no doubt he's a very good goalkeeper. And, and a season in the Championship, playing 46 games, you know, getting peppered with shots, you know, unrelenting campaign, he can prove himself mm. as good enough for the top level. It's it's a hard one to see someone coming in and buying him, even if he did have a good season. You saw what happened to Jack Butland, um, and now he kind of is on Palace's books somewhere, <laughs> um, unfortunately. But it's, it's all there for Sheffield United. The big call... Uh, at the start is their management. Mm. Um, Heckingbottom's their caretaker at the minute, and he's apparently on, um, I think, a five-man shortlist. So, so that could work. But I think that's the big call first. How much do you depart from what Chris Wilder did when you're basically going to have the same options that Chris Wilder did? Mm. Yeah, it's interesting. I think probably one of their their biggest downfall could also turn in, turn out to be probably their biggest positive going forward in that their squad isn't isn't a fantastic squad for the Premier League. It, it isn't filled with all these big names and big egos who would want to leave. Um, maybe they don't have the talent to stay up. Obviously, as we've seen this season, they've, they've sort of, they've bombed a little bit. Um, but but those players have proven themselves in the Championship and those players aren't likely to force. I, I, I can't see many of those names twisting and forcing their way out of Sheffield United. Um, I guess the only interesting thing is if, you know, because there are people like John Egan who you can see Egan slotting into a decent Premier League team, um, maybe not hitting top half, but I guess with Egan and, and players like that, have they been sort of alienated almost by by watching Wilder go? I, I wonder whether some of the experienced players who've been there all the time throughout the whole journey with Wilder, would they are they disillusioned with Sheffield United? Are they... Um, would that be enough for them to accept, say, I don't know, Brighton comes in for one of them next year or Palace comes in for one of them next year and become sort of a lower a lower Premier League, an established lower Premier League player? Or do they want to buy into the new vision, the new Sheffield United and and, and aim to get back to the top with them and aim, aim you know, buy into that project, I guess. Uh, and, and like you say, a lot comes out of the manager. Um I wonder with this director of football approach, like they, they don't need a manager, they need a coach. And I'm just wondering whether, is this the time, is it too experimental to go in and do a bit of a, a Daniel Fark or a, I don't know, Stendhal, and that, that same lines with, with Barnsley, where they, they go and get a, a sort of a tactician, a foreign coach. It doesn't have to be foreign coach, really. There's a lot of English tacticians out there. See Chris Wilder. Um, I, I wonder whether this is the time to go for that. And, and like you say, they've got the players. They've got Ryan Brewster and Ollie McBurney. You know, there's a lot of players in there with talent. I like Ollie Burke. Um, I'd like to see Ollie Burke in the championship because I think he is a big, tall, quick presence. Um, very interesting. I, I think they can bounce back. I think their squad, they won't lose too many players. And I think with that squad, I think they, they have a chance. Um, moving on to their opponents, Crystal Palace. Um, I, again, I completely forget Crystal Palace exists sometimes. <laughs> they just they just go along and they just, they're on 38 points. Um, they're safe. They're fine. They're not going any higher. It's just very Crystal Palace. Um, I think you can kind of, 
there's a lot of ways to spin Palace this season, depending on whether your, your glass is half empty or full, or whether you support them or not. Um, that's another four-game winless run, lost three in a row. Uh, they're a minus 22 goal difference, which is the third worst in the league, but they are 13th with 38 points with five games to spare. So you can cut that in two very different ways. Uh, you could also look at them. They're, they're two points above Newcastle, who are 17th, so they very conceivably could finish fourth bottom. And we haven't chatted about Crystal Palace's relegation fodder at all this season. Uh, they, they won't go down. 38 points is fine. Um, but you could cut their season in about seven different ways, and I don't quite know which one I'm going to land on. Um, obviously, the big decision is is Roy Hodgson's future uh, over over the summer, his contract up. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, when you look at on the pitch, um, it, it, it does look odd, doesn't it? Going forward to start, they have got uh, an attacking line which is easily top half. You've got Eze, Zaha, Mateta, who they brought in, and Batshuayi, who's been on loan. There is some brilliant players there. They mm. they should be scoring a lot more. And it, it's been odd to see Batshuayi on the sidelines so much. Zaha's looked isolated quite a lot. We've seen we've seen definitely enough sparks from Eze to know that he's a brilliant player. Mateta scored that wonder goal there, the back heel, but we haven't seen loads of him. So that's been an odd one. Um, and I think defensively, like you said, the goal difference is abysmal. Um, they have had a lot of upheaval and injuries at the back. They've had Tomkins out and Klein out and Sacco out. So I think that's really struggled with their flow. But uh, even though all that, like you said, stable, they're, they're, they're comfortable. They're, they're not really been <laughs> threatened, uh, the European spots, but they haven't really been threatened or felt threatened from the outside looking in anyway. Um about relegation and is that enough for crystal palace they're not the biggest club they haven't got the biggest wages to pay um you know they can't afford huge transfer figures is that mid-table security enough as it has been under under roy who you know we'll all agree has done a wonderful job creating a side built to live in the premier league um obviously he said his contract's two months to go you would have you would think that there would have been some indication that another contract was in on, in talks or on the table, but I've seen nothing. So it feels like a new man may be in charge of Crystal Palace uh, next season. <laughs> Who knows how that will go? Could it be uh, another wonderful step in their evolution or could it be another Frank de Burr situation? <laughs> well, that's why, um, yeah, that, that's why I came to my, in my thoughts. I was like, you, 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 you roll the dice. I think with Hodgson, I don't think you're going down. With another manager, you're rolling the dice, and a lot, a lot depends on whether they're going to back a new manager. I think, and I know they've obviously they're paying decent wages to to a few of those players, but um, are they going to? I think their midfield is probably where they need to they need to stack up a little bit because actually going forward you've got the likes of Eze you would have Eze and Zaha on the wings with Bashwai through the middle and that, there's pace in abundance there um, you you look at the likes of Cahill Tonkins at the back these rugged big defenders who I think can dig deep and, and settle in for you know they do their job at the back just think they maybe need some I don't know some orchestrators in the middle who can like properly pull the strings um and and yeah I I 
I don't think there's any shame in what Hutchinson's done. He's filled his brief. You mean keep us up, establish us in the Premier League. He's very much filled that brief. And I just wonder whether it needs to come from the top that Roy, look, Roy, we need to, we need to, you know, plow on up the table. Is that order coming down? Because because at the minute Hodgson is doing his job, would he still do that job if the job was Roy play some more expansive football? Um, I would I'm I'm undecided, and I actually think right now, I think I'd be rolling the dice. I don't think there's any shame in Hodgson if he leaves. I think that's just that, that's it. He's fulfilled his contract, and he's he's he can leave with his head very much held high. Uh, I just, I just think this is a good time with Zaha, Batshuayi, and Eze. Are they going to have those three players in place, or players of that quality, potential quality? Are they going to have those three players again without spending massive money? I don't think so. So I, I think this is the season before Zaha realizes that he probably could go and, and do better elsewhere, and you know, play more expansive football. I think this might be the end. I think this might be the time to to, to shake it up. Uh, not quite sure who you get in. Um, but I think I think there's a spine or a core of players there at each at each end of the pitch that just needs to be brought together by a decent midfield and and, and yeah and and I don't know just let off the shackles a little bit. Um, that's kind of how I'm seeing it. So Sheffield United v Crystal Palace. Uh, what is your prediction for this one, sir? Uh, it's it's another one that could go either way. I think that we've picked three games that are very much. Very much that this this week. Um, yes, I, I do like Sheffield United. They are they are growing into um, Paul Higginbottom's shape. But if you put me in a game where uh, Eze is playing, um, I will be watching Eze and likely Eze alone. My heart does beat for uh, for Eze sometimes. So I'm going to go Crystal Palace two one in the Steve Cavada derby. Still. <laughs> You've done this for every game, haven't you? And I'm loving oh, it. Yeah, oh, yeah. I'm loving okay. it. Um, and I mean, you've got you've got a plethora of options in the next one because our final game today is uh, the 8:15 kickoff on Saturday. Sky Sports Premier League mid event, and now, uh, and you've basically got Liverpool A versus Liverpool B. No, Southampton or Southampton A versus Southampton B. Whichever way you want to put it is Liverpool versus Southampton. Uh, in the, <laughs> I mean, which which name did you have written down? I've uh, I've got the Mane Klein Lalana Van Dyke Minamino Lambert Derby. Nice. <laughs> That's all my wow. my long to take. <laughs> we haven't practiced this. He just had that. He had that list on hand. Very well done. Uh, did you see Oxlade Chamberlain there? Oh no, That's, uh, that was that was too many syllables. I couldn't uh, fit it all in my mouth. Yeah, I mean, you, yeah, you didn't want it to be too long, you know. You, you've got to keep yeah, it you know, yeah. snappy, snappy. Uh, <laughs> we've chatted about Liverpool a fair bit. But I guess we're going to look at them more in the context of where they go from here. Um, there's been a bit of chat this week about Van Dijk, Fabinho, Henderson and Salah all signing, signing long-term deals, uh, supposedly in the weeks to come. Uh, and I think that's kind of their key, isn't it? They're, they're all yet to enter their prime, um, or, or you know, in the likes of Henderson, maybe he is sort of entering his prime. Um, but the others have time on their side. And I think Liverpool have to appreciate how much time they have on their side right now. Um I was thinking this is you're probably not expect you're probably not planning where this is going to go. Uh, I convinced myself earlier today that Liverpool don't need to do anything this summer apart <laughs> apart from <laughs> wait for it. They need to whip out that checkbook and they need to go and and just just you know give Harry Kane a little phone call. 
Uh, this sounds a little Ooh. bit this, right. This sounds a little bit fantasy football, right? And and I'm happy to sound a little bit fantasy football here. I think I, th- I think Kane can do it, and I think I've convinced myself in my own head, in my fantasy football head, I've convinced myself that actually. So I saw Harry Kane's like ninety million price tag or something like that. He's what? He's I'm twenty seven, which means he's twenty seven. And then that's how that's literally how I remember how Harry, whether Harry Kane's going to his prime. Like, am I going to my prime? And it's like, yes, Michael, you are. Um, Podcasting prime. Yeah, I, I, I just, I think, I think that's the player they need. I think he can, he can do that sort of linking and stitching together role. He's a, he's a poacher up front. We have, everybody knows what Harry Kane's like. I'm just getting really excited about thinking about Harry Kane in a red shirt, basically. Um, I think with Isn't the likes of Van Dijk, playing, though, what like they, it would be a different way of playing if they did go get Harry Kane. Though, yeah. when you started talking, I imagined you were going to say Haaland. He well, would be more more able to do the running and the hassling and the fighting. Kane wants the ball and wants to quarterback it, as, as I think you put before. So that would change the way they play. It would, it would, it would. But I reckon, I reckon there's still. Because you're going to have Salah and Mane piling in from from the ins, from the outside and going in from from wide going in. I've carried Kane drops a little bit further back. I worked it all out in my head, and they've basically won the title next year if they sign Kane. Um, but I, I've just been thinking like they've got you know I, I was looking at a team next year for Allison, Trent, Van Dijk, Gomez, Robertson, Fabinho, Thiago, Henderson, Mane, Hurricane, Salah, uh, Salah. Um, it, it, having Van Dijk. And Gomez back is just enormous. And that's actually enormous for their midfield. And this has been their problem the whole season. You've had Fabino dropping back. You've had people chipping in here and there, Kabak, Phillips, whoever it's been. It's just totally flung the balance of their entire team out. Imagine having a midfield of Henderson, Thiago, Fabino. We have not really seen that, or at least not not regularly. Um, I think Liverpool are going to come back with a vengeance next year, and I don't think they need to do much. They just need to drop a lot of money on an, on a lot of striker. Um, Harvey Elliott, eighteen year old, he's up there for Young Player of the Championship season. Um, he's got six goals and eleven assists in a bang average Blackburn team. Uh, Minamino, like I say, he's been out on loan Southampton. He's a little bit, little bit older, a little bit wiser. Um, I don't know. I, I, even Jota, I'm, I'm forgetting Jota and Firmino as well in there. Um, still very good players for me. No, um, Jota has obviously had a massive impact. I just got very excited about Liverpool because I think they're going to be a brand new team next year with with those players back. Definitely, one of the strengths Man City have had is um, injuries don't seem to affect them very much. Mm. You could lose one player out of any side, um, and it would it would derail them. If Spurs lost Kane, if you know Liverpool as they did lose Van Dijk, Man United Bruno. If you do that it does throw your season completely off. And I don't think it affects Man City as much. You know, they, De Bruyne wasn't at his best earlier in the season. No, City weren't either. But but Gundogan stepped up. And you could see that across the pitch. They've got options. And you look at their bench. <laughs> City brought on Jesus, Sterling and Aguero against PSG, <laughs> leaving the likes of Laporte and Rodri and Cancelo and Mendy on the bench. It's It's unbelievable. And if you look at Liverpool's... Liverpool squad with the players that you just said coming back their second string's unbelievable mm. you know you have like Kabak at the back and you have Oxlade Chamberlain in the middle on a, a secondary front line of Firmino, Jota and um, Minamino if they signed Harry Kane that was <laughs> but that's that's so important and so impressive and, and will gain Liverpool points that they've dropped elsewhere because they don't have the game changers 
you know, fit and raring to go off the bench. I'm with you. I don't think Liverpool are in a bad spot at all. And I don't think any of the players will look at it like they are. You know, you can have one down season where you're going to go be in the Europa League and maybe they can take that less seriously in the beginning of the season and play their youngsters, play Phillips and play Nico Williams. Um, that will be fine. You will get through and you will have a fresher side for the early uh Premier League season, get that bit of head of steam, get up to the top and in that title challenge again. And everything looks a bit more rosy. So, um, yeah, I think I think Klopp needs to be backed um, and um, backed publicly, uh, probably with the checkbook. But even if not, just um, in, in not letting any media tabloids uh, uh, knock him down. Bit of rest. Yeah, I'm fine with you saying Liverpool are right there. Mm. Uh, yeah, I'd like to say a disclaimer for all of this. Like, I'm not an absolute moron. And, and I actually think Kane might stay. I think he probably will stay with Spurs. But if there was a season to leave and if there was a club to go to, I think that looks like the match. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how that goes, see how it turns out. For now, they have Southampton this weekend. Um, Southampton, again, another team kind of in, in limbo, as well as Sheffield United and Crystal Palace and Liverpool. They're sort of in this weird... What are they? <laughs> what are they uh, at the moment? Look quite brittle. Um, I think Hassan Hassan Hoodle uh, takes a lot of praise for his style. Uh, takes a lot of praise, uh, or he has done. Well, you know, they were sitting top of the league for a few weeks or a week or so or an hour. I can't remember how long it was. Now stop the count, um, and it, rightly so. He took a lot of praise for the, for the right reasons, but these collapses are not good, and they're not good enough. I think going from that sort of you know, flirting with Europe for, for a lot of the season to just dropping, crashing away from it. Um, that's not good at all. And I know injuries have been part of it. I know Danny Ings has been out and that, that's been a major part of it. Um, it just seems a little bit famine or feast with, with Hassan, with Hassan Huttle. It's, it's, it's one or the other. It's never just stable. He's like the anti-Hodge. It's like, I guess this is what Crystal Palace could get themselves in for if they, if they let go of Hodgson. They could be brilliant for a few weeks, terrible for the next few. Um, for me, he's approaching he's approaching a bit of a make or break time. I think you give him preseason again. I think you give him a normal season with fans back and with they have had injuries, so let's give them a season to get uh, a summer to get fit. Um, back him with the wallet if you need to back him with the wallet. They've got a lot of money, or they've they've taken in a lot of transfer fees over the years. Um, I know they've spent some big money, but they need to spend a little bit more of it. I think. Um, but for me, I'm not. I'm not totally sold on Hassan Hull. Uh, and and let's say they conceded nine in two consecutive seasons now, which is not a fantastic one. I know that's going to be a blotch on his record forever. Um, I, I'm not. I'm not totally sold with Hassan Hull. I'm more of a fan than I think you are. Then um, yes, maybe with mentality is a factor. If you're losing nine now, your heads go a little bit. Um, but I think. You're right to say that they, the consistency has been the problem, and it has. But they were they were brilliant at the beginning of the season. They were out running and out playing and out fighting and out working other teams. And I really love to see that. Obviously, I'm a very big Theo Walcott fan, so I'm um, biased here. <laughs> but they do have, um, like you said about Crystal Palace, a core of players who I think are very good and will be very good for some time. You've got Salasu at the back, who's impressed me every time I've seen him. Carl Walker-Peters, who is obviously a player. Uh, James Ward-Prowse, obviously. Free kicks, brilliant, but also on the ball. 
commanding in the middle, we've liked a lot. And then up top, Ings, if you can get him back fully fit, brilliant player. Trey Adams, deputising, playing around him. There's a lot to like there. Um, yeah, and another season, maybe a run like this for Hasselhooten may have cost him his job because from top to, you know, almost in a relegation fight is quite the drop. Mm. Um, but this season has been the oddest of seasons. They've had so many injuries. Their bench, I think we read out a few weeks ago, had like one first team outfield player that they could bring on. And I think that has been has been massive. Hopefully they can get these players fit and Hasselhooten can get them all to buy in and, and commit to that running attacking game that they played at the start of start of this season. So I'm more confident in Hasselhooten that he'll turn it around and um, have a stronger full season next season than he's had at the back end of this one. But we've said it so many times on this podcast. What a weird season. Um, if there's fans back next year, you just, you, all bets are off again. You can't count on anything this year. Absolutely, and uh, and just to just to round that one off, what's your prediction for Liverpool v Southampton, Mister Wilson? Liverpool, they've thrown it away so many times. I think they'll go into the lead if they'll keep the lead. Who knows? Um, I'm going to say two-one Liverpool. I feel like they're just gonna just gonna edge. I think they'll beat them. I think it'll beat them. I think it'll be. Uh, I think it'll be a two-nil. Let's go two-nil. I don't fancy Southampton at all. Um, Moving on, that was a pretty abrupt end for me. But yeah, I don't fancy Salomon at all. Go on, Liverpool. Um, uh, what have we got? What have we got? Fantasy Premier League. We've got Fantasy Premier League before we go. I was going to ask you how much of the magazine was going, but we'll wait for that one. Uh, Fantasy Premier League, just a very quick whistle-stop tour because there's not much to say this week because Manchester United have a triple game week. A triple, triple game week. A TGW. Um, we have, uh, yeah, they've got Villa away. They've got Leicester at home and Liverpool at home after that game was uh, rearranged for next week. They now play on... Uh, which days do they play? They play on this, this Saturday, Tuesday, and Thursday. That's it's a lot. lot. It's a lot With of games. Europa League on tonight as we're recording this Thursday. Uh-huh. That's a lot of games in seven days. It is. In fact, you know what? I'm going to repeat that because it's actually Sunday, Tuesday, Thursday. Still three games, a lot of games. Um, yeah, they're playing sort of just one day off between between each of those ones coming up. Um, I mean, I still think Fernandez captain is your choice. I think when he has three fixtures, two of them are very tasty or potentially tasty. Uh, Liverpool on fantastic. Um, I you've just got to go for it. You've absolutely got to go for it. Um, I don't know. I've gone with Shaw, Greenwood, and Fernandez as my three Man United players. I think Greenwood's a really cheap way in there. He's the, the top form player as well from the midfield. Uh, Seven point two million at the moment. Um, I like I like a defender in there. I don't I don't want to just go all out for the attack. I don't think Cavani will play. I think he might only play one of those or potentially sort of. All three, but bit part roles. Um, I think treat it as a double game week. I don't think you should expect anybody to play full 90 in all three of them. So don't be disappointed if Fernandez doesn't start one of them. But if anybody's got a chance, it's Fernandez. Um, I also just want to put the differential option on the on the table. Um, if you if you are trying to catch up in your league, I'm wondering whether this is the chance to go with Salah on his double game week. Everybody will do Fernandez. Everybody will do it, or a Man United player. Um, you've got Salah up against Southampton, and then obviously Man United. Two games. There's a bit of time between them both. He's 
got a bit of rest. They've got nothing else to play for. Could Salah be the shout? I, I, I'm not sure. I'm, I'm wavering backwards and forwards because Fernandez is just the logical one. It's absolutely the logical one. Um, but I'm wondering whether a little Salah captain is actually a terrible idea in this week. No, I've, you've thrown a spanner into my works for sure. <laughs> um, my three, I've gone Fernandez, uh, Shaw, and Cavani. I already had Cavani, so I just brought in Shaw for Cancelo. Um, I was thinking maybe to captain Shaw. Um, that was that was going to be my my rogue one because Fernandez has has not been on great goal scoring assisting form. Cavani, like you said, I, don't, I think we'll probably play half the minutes likely uh, between over the three games. But Salah is a shout. If if anyone in in that forward line for Liverpool has been performing to their level, it is Salah. Um, he could easily go and hit a hattie against Southampton um, and grab one against United. Am I going to be brave enough? I'm. I don't think I can catch first place in my league now, so I might. I might stick safe and, <laughs> and take second with uh, with Bruno. Um, I've convinced myself really you're not. Know. I had Seth Fernandez just before this pod, and I, I'm slowly convincing myself that Salah's the shout. I want to be that guy who just makes one really good shout in a season. And after using my triple captain on Harvey Barnes in the game that he did his ligaments, I mean, when you get one point for your triple captain, oh, three points for your triple captain, you know it's just been a bad one. Um, oh. I'll let you know. Tune in next week to find out whether Michael did the right thing in Captain Fernandez or did the wrong thing and actually won massively from Captaining Salah. Um, any more quick shouts before before we head off? No, I think I think it's the Man United debacle that gets it set. I think City and Chelsea at the weekend are having their one fixture. I don't think it's a bad idea to take one out. If you've got three or four players from those two teams, I think they could well cancel themselves out. I'm looking at leaving Gundogan over the bench um, for someone like Matias Pereira or or even uh, Tyreek Mitchell at Crystal Palace because he's got two games. So um, be wary of your City and Chelsea players, I would say. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, and yeah, now I can ask you, what's coming up Match of the Day magazine this week, sir? Yes, finally, I get to talk about it, Michael, because it is our awards special. Yes, so all the biggest winners and losers from another wonderful season of club football. It's very tasty. You'll see maybe some of your favourites winning and losing in there. So, uh, yeah, maybe go get that. Um, We also celebrate Man City on their return to form. Um, If you haven't had enough City chat with us today, uh, maybe your kids might like to see about uh, the magical Man City. We say happy birthday to the WSL uh, because they've turned 10. Congratulations. And um, if, if that isn't enough, Michael, we've got another big bundle of match attacks on the front. So you can just buy the, buy the mag, re- open the cards, put the mag in the recycling if you want. It would be a mistake, but you could do it if you wanted to. That's pretty harsh. That's pretty harsh. Buy it for more than the match attacks. It would be a mistake. <laughs> yeah, it would be a mistake. It would be a mistake. Quality writing there. Would. Um, thank you very much once again for joining me in, this, in the virtual studio, Mr. Wilson. We long for the day when we can do one of these, then drop the mic and then go out for a pint. Um, 
but yeah, thank you very much for listening to Football Times. You can come to radiotimes.com slash TV slash sport for all your latest previews for everything coming up. Uh, it's the Spanish Grand Prix this weekend uh, in Formula One. We've chatted as part of our regular series. Uh, we chatted to uh, Crofty, David Croft of Sky Sports F1. Uh, he gives us all the lowdown on the track, on the big runners and riders uh, ahead of every race. So come and find our Spanish Grand Prix preview uh, and we'll speak to you next week. Have a good one, especially if you're Captain Excel. <laughs> Enjoy! Dun, 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 dun.